Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Well, our scripture this morning is no doubt familiar to all of us. Describes the whole armor of God. And this is in Paul's letter to the people in the church in Ephesus, the Ephesian church. And throughout the first five chapters, he's describing a true believer. He's describing how a believer lives, how they act, how they live a spirit-filled life. Now in chapter 6, he begins to close out his letter by warning readers about the spiritual warfare that was occurring and that will occur and continue to occur in the future. And it still occurs today as well. Thankfully, Paul just doesn't describe the problem, but gives instructions on how to win the war. You know, when we read the paper today, we read about all the different problems around the world, you know, whether it's war, whether it's an oil spill, pension crisis, whatever it might be, but we never hear any solution saying, here's the problem, here's what you need to do to fix it. All we have are problems today. Paul says this, the issue is, it's going to be a battle. But you know what? Here's the solution. Here's how you get through the battle. Here's how you win. And the short answer is, the simple answer is, that God provides us with what we need. And Paul refers to it here as armor. He uses uh, a metaphor, analogy that everyone would be familiar with of that time because they're used to seeing Roman soldiers in particular walking around, and so they would be familiar with the Roman soldier outfit. But as we know, ultimately, Satan's power is already defeated, is broken by Christ. The war has been won through the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who conquered the power of sin and death on the cross. But we still live in a fallen world, and we continue to face the battle with evil, with sin, with temptation. And it doesn't really matter what age you are, whether you're younger or older, you still face battles. Chances are it's more difficult when you're younger, but as you mature, you become closer to Christ, and it's easier to deflect the evil, the sin, the temptation in the world. But that is what Paul is preparing us for. We need the Lord's power. We need the strength of His Spirit. We need His Word to strengthen us to victory. So often today we find ourselves becoming upset, maybe becoming angry, maybe a little agitated or irritated or disappointed for sure with other people. Maybe we're counseling people, maybe we're helping people, maybe it's our friends, family, or children, whatever it might be, and we think we got them on straightened out, they're on the right track, and then they go and do something stupid, for lack of a better term. And that gets to us, that upsets us, that irritates us, that disappoints us. 
But we must remember that Jesus tells us to love our neighbor. And as I've said before, our neighbor is anyone that we come into contact with. So these people that anger us, maybe it's the person that jumps in front of you in line at the checkout and then has 50 billion coupons and all you have are three items that you want. Those people anger us, irritate us, upset us, but Christ tells us to love them. They're our neighbor. And Paul goes further and says, our war is not with flesh and blood. Meaning our war is not with other people. That person that cuts us off in line or driving down the road or whatever it is, our battle is not with that person. Our battle is not against other people. Even though that's what it seems like to us. Especially when those people are spreading evil about us or doing harm to us. Paul tells us our battle is against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of darkness, and the spiritual forces of wickedness. Now Paul was not referring to, at the time as Caesar, he was not referring to any of the kings or the rulers, uh, earthly people. He was not referring to the president today or whatever. That's not what Paul is referring to. Rather, these classifications, rulers, powers, forces of darkness, and forces of wickedness, are classifications in the satanic realm, once again, of evil spirits. The rulers or the principalities are the demons that have oversight of the nations. Satan is not just here in the United States. He's not just over there in Israel, Jerusalem. He's all around the world. And he is controlling what he can control. The people that he can control. The nations that are under the people that he can control. The powers we talked about last week, those are the demons that dwell and actually possess people. Those are the powers. And make people do their bidding. Demon possession. The forces of darkness are the kind of, we would kind of consider those like the generals. Those are the people, those are the, the uh, demons that carry out Satan's orders directly. Carrying out, overseeing his plan. And the spiritual forces of wickedness are the demons that are in charge of the religious institutions in charge of attacking them, in charge of infiltrating them. So what does all this mean? Why does Paul give us these four different classifications or categories? Well, there's the only really good reason is the fact that he is describing Satan's control. Satan isn't just some madman that goes off and does what he wants to do. Satan has a tremendous following. He has a plan. And he has followers, he has evil forces to help him carry out that plan effectively and efficiently. And that's sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that it's just not a one-time battle and it's done. Yes, Christ won the war. But, and Satan knows that, but Satan still thinks he can win. So he keeps on battling. He keeps on battling. And for the believer... This battle lasts a lifetime. 
Paul tells us we're to stand firm. We're to stand our ground. And we're to put on the full armor of God. In other words, we need to use everything that God gives us. We need to use to be victorious in our battle. If we were to leave something behind, that would leave us open for for attack. When you think about it, when our military, when our troops go out, wherever they're at, Iraq, Afghanistan, or even just on peacekeeping missions, or even on relief missions, you know, as they went down to Katrina or, or whatever. They just don't run out of their jeeps or tents or whatever and, and just start battling or doing whatever it is they do. They go out prepared. They put on their gear. They have on the appropriate clothing. They have on with them the appropriate uh, weapons they need, the technology they need, communications they need. They take the stuff with them that they need. And that's what our idea is here. That's why Paul gives this analogy. The idea is that we are to wear the full armor of God. We're to be prepared for our battle. We are to live a Christian life. Now usually Satan's attack upon us is not direct. A lot of times it's not even obvious. It's in the little things in life. And we need to remember that Satan's pretty crafty. He's pretty intelligent. And we've looked at the powers the angels had. We said they have speed, they have strength, they have certain attributes. We need to remember that Satan is an angel, a fallen one, but he is an angel. And so he has these certain characteristics as well. He's an intelligent character. He's crafty, he's clever. But he opposes the work of God. And he hinders us in our work for God in our proclamation of the gospel. And that's how Satan oftentimes gets to us. It's through our work. We become disappointed. We become discouraged. And maybe we want to give up because that little voice inside us, something bad happens to us, and that little voice inside us just says, I'm not good enough. I'm a waste. How worthless I am. I can't even do one thing right. That's Satan working in our lives to pull us from God. Rather than when when bad things happen to us or, or something goes wrong with our lives, rather than coming to God, many people become disappointed. And that's when Satan can move in and continue to keep you from God. Satan is definitely at work in each and every one of our lives. It's how we deal with it that matters. And it is a struggle for all believers. It is a battle for all of us. We can't excuse ourselves from the battle. We can't sit on the sideline. We can't say, oh, I'm not part of that. That's that's not my battle. I have nothing to do with that. In fact, I would argue if you don't feel yourself being attack, being tempted, then maybe you better check to see what side you're on. And as I said, sure, for younger younger people it's much more difficult. You know, we don't have the life experiences 
we aren't mature as Christians, we fall in with the wrong crowd. But as we mature, we become less immune, or we become more immune to the temptations of this world. But still, things get to us. Sometimes it's just simple gossip. People talk about others in unkind manners. But Paul tells us to be prepared for the battle. And there's certain things that Paul mentions. He uses that, uh, the analogy of the, the Roman soldier with his armor. And he says, first, the belt. You look at the Roman soldier, they have a belt on. Of course, it keeps up their, I guess would be kind of like a robe or a skirt if you would. I wouldn't tell that to a Roman soldier he was wearing a skirt. But that's what it would look like to us, kind of a robe that they wore, maybe like a kilt even. But the belt would not only hold that up, but that's a place for you to tuck things in. Today we use our belt to, of course, hold our pants up as well. But we also have our cell phones attached to it, or many guys carry knives that are attached to it, or whatever. And a soldier today would also wear a belt, and he'd have maybe a you know, his, his canteen attached to it. He would have his other little devices attached to it. Probably a knife, a gun, or whatever. They wear belts today to hold things before they're ready and to hold them close so they don't lose them. And that's what the idea of, that Paul is getting at here. The belt of truth is simply knowing and keeping the truth of God's Word with us, close to us. So we have it ready. We are to live believing the Word of God. That's the idea of the belt. The idea of the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate would be an armor that the soldiers wore covering their chest. And uh, it protects the vital organs. You know, if you're in a battle and, and you get stabbed in the arm or you get stabbed in the leg, oh yeah, it's going to be excruciating pain, but you know, you can tie a tourniquet on there and cut off the blood supply or whatever and continue battling or, or wander back and get some help. And yeah, you might lose your arm or your leg or something, but you'll, you'll probably survive. But if you get stabbed through the chest, you're not going to last too long because you've got vital organs here, your heart, lungs, kidneys, and so on. And that's the same idea we put on, the, as Christians, we put on a breastplate of righteousness. We're to live in obedience to the Word of God. We commune, we talk to Jesus Christ every day. And that righteousness grows inside of us. And instead of a, a physical armor that we wear over our chest, we have armor on the inside. It's not a self-righteousness by any means, but it's a God-given holy righteousness. Paul moves on from there to Describe shoes. We all wear some type of shoes today. They protect our feet for one thing, but they also, more importantly, provide us a foundation to stand on and give us traction. And especially the Roman soldiers, they would have had like spikes in their shoes, so whenever they're doing hand-to-hand -hand combat, they can plant their feet and they have firm footing. Much like many of our athletes have, have spikes, so they have firm footing as well. In a spiritual sense, our shoes do the same thing. They provide a foundation for us. And that foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And we can have peace and comfort knowing that he's on our side. And he is there. He is our foundation. Paul then moves on to the shield of faith. A shield, of course, they kind of carried in one arm. Some were kind of more uh, rectangular. Others were circular. And whenever they were being attacked, someone was attacking them with a sword, they would pick up the shield and block the person's sword coming at them. Or if it was an archer, they saw arrows coming, they could kind of duck behind the shield and the arrows would go into the shield rather than into their body. So the shield protected and was able to protect their entire body. God's Word does the same thing for us when we trust in it. His promises are our shield. If we believe in it, we live believing it. That is our shield. It protects us from temptation. It protects us from the the sin in the world. It protects us from the attacks of evil. If If we reject the blessings, if we don't spend time in the Word of God, we're disobedient to Him, then we allow room for Satan into our lives. lives, And we start believing Satan's lies and his deceptions. Another piece of armor that Paul mentioned is the helmet of salvation. Of course, we know what a helmet does. It protects our head. Most athletes wear them today. Soldiers, of course, wear them. Even kids wear them while playing. It protects the head. And that's the same idea Paul's getting at, is to protect your head. Protect your thoughts spiritually. Protect what goes into your mind. I heard a startling statistic this morning. I don't know if it's true or not, but if it is, it's startling. And the, the, the statistic was, uh, they said historically, uh, something to the effect of, of children have their exposure to pornography at 12 years old. That was historically true. Today, it's 5 years old. And that is tremendous. If it's true, I don't know. Even 12 years old. And that's a problem, because especially kids are encouraged to be on the Internet, especially is what they were getting at. And those kids will look at this stuff as being right, maybe, true, correct, whatever you want to call it. And it's not. It's corruption. And it is a concern, no doubt, because children are having images, not only of that, but of video games as well, images that are placed into their mind at a young age, and it corrupts them. Even if they become believers later on, they'll still have those images in their mind. And that is something that I stress to children whenever I talk to them. Is whatever you're doing now, you will probably remember it later on and regret some of the things that you do and say. And it's tough to forget some of that stuff that you've done. It's tough. That's why Paul tells us to put on the helmet. Protect your head. Protect what goes in. Don't let Satan especially get into your head. And it's not just protecting from from the bad images and the bad stuff you see, but it's also protecting your head from yourself. 
protecting it from, as I said, oh, I'm worthless. I'm a disappointment. I'm a failure. Protect yourself from that. We talked a few weeks ago about um, John Mark's mother on Mother's Day and how she accepted him even when he failed Paul out in the missionary field. She accepted him back home. She didn't call him a failure. Yeah, he failed. And no doubt he was disappointed and probably a little bit depressed. But she encouraged him. She didn't let Satan take over him and he give up on the ministry. Had he given up, we wouldn't have the gospel according to Mark. So the helmet of salvation is important to us. Satan will play mind games with you. And we must not get discouraged because God is there with us and God is in control. He will not abandon us and He will save all those who come to Him. So far, all of these items, we have our belt, our breastplate, our shoes, our shield, our helmet. These are all defensive weapons. Meaning that's how you defend yourself from someone else. But you don't always win battles when you're just defending yourself. Sometimes you need to go on the offensive. And Paul gives us that weapon as well. So that weapon is the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. And Christ is the Word of God. And that is what we need. We need the Word of God flowing in us and flowing from us each and every day. That is how we attack people. That is our offensive weapon. Sometimes whenever you are feeling tempted to do something that uh, you you shouldn't be doing, uh, or maybe you're going someplace that's difficult for you to deal with, turn on a Christian radio station or put on some Christian hymns, some, some Christian music. It's pretty tough Continue on in your sin and your temptation when you're listening to Christian music. It's very difficult. And the same thing, you know, if, if that's not available, pick up the Bible and just read. If you're, you know, about to do something or you're about to be tempted to do something, read the Word of God. It makes it much more difficult. But that's what we need. We need the Word of God in our lives. The other thing is, of course, prayer. Talk to God. We talked about prayer activating the, God, activating the power of God a few weeks ago. All of these things need to be part of your life. If you leave something behind, you're going to be in trouble because we need all of these things working together. This is still our battle today. And we still have the same armor. We still have the same weaponry that the Ephesians had. So when you head home this afternoon, think about these different items and see if there's any of those pieces of armor or weaponry that you need to work on. Maybe there's something that's completely missing. Because the Christian life, indeed, is a battle. We can't let that discourage us, though. 
We can't always be afraid. We can't always be defensive. We're also told that the believer's life is to be a walk. It's to be a race. It's a challenge. It's a venture. But it's also a battle. And we need to be prepared for what comes our way. We must stand firm on the truth of God's Word and pray for the boldness and the faithfulness to continue to live and proclaim the Gospel of Jesus Christ. To our fellow co-workers, to our friends, to our families, and especially our children. There's a lot of evil in this world and there's a lot of access to the evil. I think the level of evilness has, has been the same throughout history. But I think with the technology we have, we can access evil easier. We can see evil easier. And it seems to compel more people easier. It doesn't mean we shut ourselves down. It means we as Christians have another avenue as well to proclaim the Word of God. And that's what we need to do. We need to set the example in our lives for others to follow, to live and proclaim the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's close with a prayer this morning. Lord, we thank You for providing us with what we need for this battle. Help us to put on Your full armor and give us the strength to honor You each and every day of our lives. Through Christ's name that we pray and give thanks. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, number 193, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name.